suffering, the challenges, the barriers, the walls, all the things that we encounter in our faith, uh, how important are these to our journey? Um, Often I hear, maybe we all have heard, people talk about when they come to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, that things should change for the better, for the positive. Uh, And uh, as a result of faith, our life should experience uh, this new life. And of course, that's true. But does that negate the barriers, the struggles, the pain, um, the other aspects of life? Or in fact, are these a necessary part of life? Are these in fact an essential part of how God changes us to become the person that he intended us to be. That's a little bit of what we're going to talk about today on Deep in Scripture. Good afternoon. Welcome to Deep in Scripture. Thank you for joining us today. This is Marcus Grodi, your host for this weekly program. I Uh, I'm very pleased that you would join us. I hope that this program is an encouragement to you, those of you that are coming back. I I would love to hear from some of you that regularly listen to the program. Send us an email. Uh, You can do it uh, uh, at uh, radio at chnetwork.org or radio at deepinscripture.com. Let us know about this program, whether it makes a difference in your life and ways we can make it better. The purpose of this program each week is to take a strong look at Scripture, to be deeper in Scripture. Uh, One of the themes of the Coming Home Network is to become deep in history and deep in Scripture allows you, enables you to become deeper in our Lord Jesus Christ and His Church. And so in this program, I invite guests to join me to talk about Scriptures that awaken them to not only a deeper walk with Jesus Christ, but to a fuller appreciation of the Church that He established in his apostles centered around Simon Peter. And our guest today, who, uh, it's, it's good to have him back. He was a guest previously on the Journey Home program, and uh, he's a doctor, and he's uh, also a, a musician. And I think we're going to talk about that in part of the program, but uh, Dr. Russ Rentler was born and raised Catholic, Russ and his wife Deborah left the church as teenagers and became devout evangelical Christians for many years. Their journey of faith has taken many twists and turns and culminated, though, in their joyful reception back into the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church on back in 2004. Russ is a, a physician practicing medicine and geriatrics and has been going to Haiti for mission, uh, medical missions for many years, for the past 15 years. He gives talks... Uh, in Allentown, Pennsylvania, diocese regarding his own conversion. And he's a singer-songwriter and performs songs that highlight the beauty of the Catholic faith. And he, uh, a little bit later in the program, we maybe get to hear one of his songs. And uh, he's a bit like me. I'm a little bit of a, a musician myself, and sometimes it's trying to figure out, okay, Lord, how do we use this gift for your glory? And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later in the program. Remind you that there is a website for this program, deepinscripture.com. If you go to that website, not only can you see a bunch of information about the Coming Home Network, about this program, you can also watch the program and you can listen to all of the earlier episodes of Deep in Scripture. I asked Russ which scriptures he'd like to discuss, and he didn't choose easy ones for our discussion today. He chose some scriptures that, frankly... Uh, many people avoid because they deal, as I mentioned earlier, with the aspect of suffering in the journey. And so let me read these, and then we'll take a break, and then Russ will join us. The first he chose is Colossians 1, 23 and 24. Paul writes, Provided that you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which has been preached to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church. The second scripture text that he chose comes from 2 Corinthians 4, 8-12. Again, Paul writing, 
We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And then finally, from Philippians chapter 3, 8 through 11, and again, the Apostle Paul. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuse, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own based on law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that if possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. With those scriptures, let's uh, pause for a moment and then take a break. And in a moment, Russ will join us for our discussion of these texts so that by the grace of God, we could become deep in scripture. Don't forget to watch the Journey Home program with Marcus Grodi on EWTN. Each week, Marcus meets new guests who have journeyed to the Catholic faith from many backgrounds. Be challenged and encouraged as they witness to how their love for the truth of Jesus Christ has brought them into full communion with the Catholic Church. That's the Journey Home program on EWTN, live on Monday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. If you enjoy the Journey Home television program on EWTN, you'll want to purchase a copy of Marcus Grodi's book, Journey's Home. Journey's Home contains the conversion stories of men and women who, as a result of their surrender to Jesus Christ, heard a call to follow him more completely in the Catholic Church. Many of them were Protestant pastors or missionaries. Others were laymen who, though working in secular jobs, took their calling to serve Christ in the world very seriously. To order your copy of Marcus Grodi's book, Journey's Home, simply visit our website at www.chresources.com or call us toll-free at 1-800-664-5110. I offer up my suffering Offering for the sake of your body, Lord. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. And the music you were just hearing as we came back into the program from the break is the music of our guest today. And uh, Russ, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Marcus. Well, Thank Russ you. Rentler, welcome to the Deep in Scripture program. And uh, uh, it's great to have you on the program. Have you back? Thanks, Marcus. It's uh, great to talk to you, and I just uh, appreciate everything that you continue to do for Jesus and His Church. Well, thank you, and uh, I was glad to be able to play a little bit of your music there. Thank you. Are you, uh, we talked a little bit before the program, but we didn't have a lot of time, but uh, before we get into the study in Scripture, I know know, you're a doctor, and that's your your main uh, occupation, vocation, but I know music has been always such a big part of of your life, uh, and as the audience just heard a second ago, using it to express your love for Jesus and what he's done in your life. What about now as a Catholic? I mean, does your music continue to be a way of expressing your love for Christ and his church? Yeah, it has been. And, um, you know, I think that I've always played guitar, and it was probably since 10 years old. You know, I wanted to go to Woodstock uh, when I was (laughs) in fifth grade. You know, my parents wouldn't let me. But, um, (laughs) you know, through my conversion. Initially, I had a, a, a born-again experience where I, you know, found Christ and, and really pursued Him and sort of fell away from the rock star ideal. But, you know, I think deep down inside, I've always, you know, I still continue to play music, and, and the Lord's given me, you know, uh, the ability to do some music and mostly stringed instruments. But since I've been Catholic, I, as we mentioned before, I didn't really feel like I should just 
you know, jump into the church and say, okay, here I am, folks, here's my guitar, sign me up, okay? You know, I, I just, um, you know, I've, I've been back in the Catholic Church for about six years now, and just a year ago um, finished a CD of, you know, some Catholic songs that really started, I started, I've been doing some talks in the Allentown Diocese in eastern Pennsylvania, and I always like to do a little, bring the music into it, so I, you know, I just couldn't bring myself to do, I had to express, you know, what had gone on in my life, and, yeah. and the, the, the biggest thing was the surprise and joy of finding that the Catholic Church is true and good and life-changing. And so I wanted my music to reflect that. So one of the first songs is called Stained Glass Windows, and that ended up, that I wrote that song to do sort of at my presentations with Deborah and I, my wife, who, who we do these talks. And then it kind of, slowly but surely, one song after another started to, come about and and so I, I hope that God can use it. You know, I put I post some of the songs on YouTube and on my website and on Facebook and um you know, I'm not into the praise and worship kind of thing. I think there's a lot of good places and venues for that, but I'm hoping mm-hmm. that the songs will sort of the story of the song will cause somebody to pause a little bit and think about um Catholicism, and, and you know, my son, who's a literature major in college, always said to me, "Dad, you got to learn to, to, uh, you know, show without telling." <laughs> and, and that's the, the, as you know, is the hardest thing about being a songwriter is to mm-hmm. stay away from trite and cliched, you know, songs, yeah. and that's hard to do. But um, you know, I'm hoping that the music, if God gives me that more music, that it will do just that. In other words, it's, it's the same thing with art. You know, you see a beautiful piece of art, and you don't need to know a whole lot about it because it speaks, it tells you the story. And I think that good music, good songwriting does the same thing. And um, again, Lord willing, I hope that some of the songs have the ability to do that for the listener, that, you know, it's not going to just put it out there word for word in their head, you know. Instead, they'll meditate on it and think about it, um, you know, so that that's kind of the goal, and you know, I mean, I hate, I I love playing, I love performing, as you know, and so there's you know still a part of that that comes out, but I think God uses that. And, um, well, there's a, uh, it's interesting that a lot of the texts that you chose are are are, um, are focus on this element of suffering, or at least making choices, sometimes difficult choices, and you know, before we get into the text. Uh, I wonder if you've experienced the same thing because music was always a big part of my life when I was younger, particularly it was the focus of my life. And that's what I thought I'd do the rest of my life until I was age 21. I mean, I, though I I wasn't so much interested in, in, uh, in Woodstock, I was more interested in the folk singing, you know, the, uh, the James Taylor, the the Simon and Garfunkels and all of that. And uh, that's what I envisioned. But when I had my, my born again experience that changed my, my understanding of myself in relationship to Christ, all of a sudden, I really struggled with the performing aspect of music. Because mm-hmm. before my conversion, it was about me. Afterwards, no, it's got to be about Jesus. It's, and I really became uncomfortable about performing. I think even to this day, you no, know, I, I do a lot of television and radio, but the focus is not me, especially when you're a host of a program. You know, Russ, the focus is you. <laughs> I'm just the host. But, you know, how, maybe from yourself, in case someone's listening, how do you help people who are up in front, especially musicians, how do you help them make that fine line jump from being to understanding that it isn't about themselves, but that they are really themselves an instrument for the glory of God? Yeah, you know, I, I don't have the, the best answer for that. I mean, I think I'm still learning. I, I know that, you know, there's a point at which and to, to do music, whether it's in the church or even in the secular world, you do have to do what I always call shameless self-promotion. Mm-hmm. And, and, but I think for me, you know, I, was, I you know, went to college, and uh, I was a biology major, but I was in a, a folk bluegrass band with these two guys, who both of them, after college, they both have become professional folk singers. Um, one guy was written up in the Rolling Stone magazine as the, the Bruce Springsteen of folk music, and <laughs> the other guy is toured with Joan Baez. She's recorded his songs. And, mm-hmm. so, you know, they two guys out of four guys in this band have become incredibly famous, you know, mm-hmm. very famous in folk music, not 
You're not going to hear it on the radio necessarily unless you listen to college stations. And that, like, was a burden to me all this time. So I, instead I go to medical school, but I don't stop playing. But, I, you know, I sort of put away that dream and, and vision. And then about, oh, maybe six years or eight years ago, I went part-time with my medical career. At that time I was about 40, 41 or 42. And I said, you know, i got to do it now if I won't. <laughs> and so, you know, I started really pursuing and pushing. And for like five or six years, really pursued. I was playing about 50 gigs a year mostly secular venues. And, and what I found, though, is that the more I had to promote myself, I was promoting something that I really wasn't. I felt like hmm. I did have to compromise in the sense that, you know, I would never say or do anything against the gospel, obviously. But I felt like I wasn't true to who I was. And, and the, I guess about oh, maybe two years ago, it kind of came to a head. I was opening for Patty Larkin, who's uh, you know, just a wonderful, good songwriter, singer. And be- before the show, we were sitting down with some people and we were talking, and they were talking about um, the president of the United States at the time, and then they were talking about um, pro-life issues, and they basically sided totally against everything that I stand for. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, and then the, the singer came up and made some jokes and, and about these very precious things about, you know, pro-life and, and marriage. And, and uh, so the long and the short, I came home and realized I can't keep doing this. And um, so basically kind of had to lay it down and say, well, I can't keep pursuing this, and I'm just going to see where it goes. And, um, you know, ultimately I think that it's the laying down and the dying to that vision. You know, remember we used to talk about in the Old Testament, there was a verse that said that, you know, there's a death to a vision, and, and as evangelicals, we always talked about that, that maybe God's asking you to die to your vision and, and wait till he rises, bring something else up, and I think there, there's validity to that, and so I guess my answer is you have to really pray and discern mm-hmm. and ask God. You know, sometimes you just have to put it away and die to it and wait till the phone rings or, you know, <laughs> and that's a hard balance, because like you said, there's a part of you that wants to, you know, I love performing. I mean, I go... I go crazy, you know, uh, I get very nervous, and, you know, I, I hate myself before I do it, but once I'm up there, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, yeah, yep. A lot of performers go through that. But it, what I've found has been the best joy is that when I get to do it in the church, and I've been able to do a couple uh, men's retreats and do some music for that, I can't even tell you what it's like, Marcus, to sit there and I look up and there's a statue of St. Joseph next to me, you know, <laughs> and there's... Um, you know, priests and, and religious, and there's Catholic people in the audience. And I finally felt like this is what I'm doing. These, I'm going to today, what I'm going to play, everything I'm going to do is going to help these people appreciate their faith and enjoy their faith. And hopefully, if there's some folks who aren't so good about their, or strong with their faith, it'll bring them there. And so it's kind of like I could do the thing I've always wanted to do, which is to perform, but in the same way, it's not really performing as much as hoping that God uses what I do to for for his purpose and not promote Russ Rentler, you know, mm-hmm. which uh, is, a, is still a balance. And, you know, yeah. and, and I think that uh, an, another reality was, uh, you know, just finding out that when I came to the Catholic Church with my music, you know, people didn't say, yes, yeah, sign, let's sign him up. There, it was like yeah. a dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, okay, great, you know, get in line. There's <laughs> yeah. pick, pick a number. There's 2,000 years of... Uh, you know, great music in the church, and yeah, you know, you, you know, you're like Dylan, you know, and uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. well, you know, I've, you know, the audience may be familiar with another musician that that both you, Russ, and I know, and that's uh, Rob Evans, the better known as the Donut Man. Yeah, my kids listened to him growing up. I had all his tapes. Yeah, before he converted the church, I mean, he traveled the world, and he could hardly find a free weekend because he was such a demand. And then he becomes Catholic. And all of a sudden, just like you said, you know, uh, people are not knocking down the door to get him to come to the local parish. Though I wish anyone listening would love to invite uh, yeah. Rob Emmons over for uh, for their parish. Uh, right. But it, it but it takes a while. And I'm wondering, Russ, if, if even a little bit of that is in the verses that you chose today. Um, you know, why did you choose these? Is a little bit of what we're talking about. Yeah, well, yeah, I know it's a, a sort of a, a weird subject, and I thought about, you know, what I don't want to portray is, is the misconception that Catholics are all about suffering, because mm-hmm. I've heard them say that. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I chose it is that the concept of suffering 
actually is what eventually brought me into the Catholic Church. Um, and it, I won't go into my whole story, you know, you know the story, but my, my wife was diagnosed with a, a my late wife was diagnosed with a, a terrible a lung cancer that was slow growing, and she basically had this cancer for eight out of the 11 years that we were married. Wow. And yeah. uh, we, that led us to then sort of choose a theology that we, it's kind of the health and wealth prosperity mm-hmm. gospel, though we weren't so much into the prosperity, but we wanted the healing. So we were very much embracing the idea that, you know, God doesn't want you to suffer, God wants you well, you know, no weapon formed against you shall stand, and by his stripes we're healed. And, you know, Jesus went into Capernaum and he healed them all, and therefore God has to honor his word, and he, if you just claim these scriptures. And there was a whole movement in the United States, uh, mm-hmm. guy Smith Wigglesworth and some people like that who, you know, had healing ministries. And so my wife and I obviously, you know, latched onto this. And I'm a medical doctor, and I see people dying all the time, so yep. it's a real strange paradigm. But the bottom line, she got sicker and sicker, but we didn't kind of acknowledge or, or it sort of didn't even admit it to our kids. And um, we kept praying for the healing and pulling out these verses and just, you know, these isolated verses that, you know, Jesus said, you know, you, know, you will be healed. You know, the, um, we just took them out of context, I think, and just didn't look at any verses about suffering. But we were into this theology that, you know, if you ask Jesus, he has to obey his word. And, and if you don't get healed, then it's your lack of faith, it's not God, because God doesn't lie. And You've heard these teachings. They're yep. out of Tulsa, yep. Oklahoma. And mm-hmm. um, but anyway, what happened was that my you know my wife passed away, and uh, and the, the church you know was very you know particularly young people were fairly devastated, and and it was hard because nobody really knew what to say because I mean you know my mm-hmm. wife was a very faithful Christian, very you know loving person, and you know everyone loved her, and nobody could imagine that she didn't have faith and. It was very hard because there really wasn't an answer. Mm-hmm. Because in that theology, we were just we believed that God was going to heal her. Of course, healing was was His will for her. It's God's will that you be healed, you know. And so, about three three days after, and and when she died, as she was dying, she had the worst suffering I'd ever seen. I mean, I'd taken care of a lot of patients at end of life with cancer, but I mm-hmm. never had a patient that I couldn't manage their pain and discomfort from, you know. But with hers, I guess because she was so young, she was only 35, and she just was in agony for, for days and days and days. But um, so when she died, I just couldn't understand why she had to suffer so much. It just didn't, I didn't have any explanation for the suffering. I didn't understand it. And I remember about three days after she died, I get this phone call um, from a friend of mine I went to college with who... Um, now he's a, a priest in the Catholic Church, and he was Father uh, Bernard Zaki in the Allentown Diocese. And, and we still maintained friends, even though he was Catholic, I continued. <laughs> I thought he was the only Catholic who actually was a Christian at the time. <laughs> I, hate, I hate to say that, but, yeah. but he was a good guy. I understand. He called, yeah. he called me up and said, you know, basically, hey, Russ, you know what? I said, Bernie, you know, I, don't, I, don't under, I don't understand this. Why did she suffer so much? I'm not mad at God. And what he said was that, he read me Colossians, you know, and he said, you know, Paul, Paul basically, you know, suffered in his body for the sake of the body of Christ. And he took his suffering and he united it to Jesus. And he said, so Sue, as she was dying, you know, Jesus said to her, you know, with his arms outstretched on the cross, he said, Sue, you come up here and you suffer with me. And it was like, and, and he said, and that's why that was that suffering, that she, you know, could yeah. unite her suffering to Christ. And you know what? It didn't make... To be honest with you, Marcus, it's not like suddenly the light went off and right. I had to become Catholic. But what it did say to me, and, and actually it took 10 years before I finally entered the Catholic Church, but what it did is it, it showed me a verse that I obviously had read a hundred times, but never really saw it. And it's a verse I didn't want to see because I didn't want to think about suffering. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand how, you know how can anything be lacking in Christ's suffering? Because we both know, and the Catholic Church teaches, that his death on the cross is sufficient, mm-hmm. is completely sufficient for our salvation. There's no doubt about that. But there was this mystery, you know, about suffering. And so um, that's what kind of got the whole journey started. And then uh, just real quickly, my, my wife later on, um, you know, started becoming discontented with, the way her evangelical life dealt with the pain and 
you know, the pains and difficulties of her life, and it led her to read about uh, St. Therese, which it was just her feast day on Friday. And, you know, so she started reading about suffering. She said, wow, there's something about suffering here that I never understood. I thought suffering was just to build our patience and to make, our better, make us better Christians. But all these saints of old, you know, and not so old, had taken the suffering and found a purpose for it, and that God used that suffering for the, for the, lives, of, for the lives of the Church. Um, so that's why I picked the first verse, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, is that it just became, suddenly I realized that all this suffering that we go through in life, there is value to it. It's not just about, I mean, there's this, you know, as evangelical Christians, we know that God allows trials to temper us and to strengthen our faith, and, and that's beautiful and that's true, but I think that's just a part of it. You know, mm-hmm. and what this verse told me is that wait a second, Paul is saying that he actually can participate. You know, he could be a part of Christ's suffering, and and you know, so you know, how can you know? And the first thing people say is that, well, no, you know, Jesus, his work was complete. Well, it was complete, and none of us would ever believe that, you know, that Jesus's work wasn't complete. But in some way, God allows us to cooperate with him. In, in another part in Corinthians, he said, we're God's co-adjutors or co-workers or assistants, and that somehow he allows our sufferings to benefit the body of Christ. Um, Jesus, I was going to say, let me, uh, uh, just to remind the audience of the verse that we're talking about, and you know that, that verse in Colossians, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's sufferings for the sake of his body, that is the church, is, is a remind, reminder to all of us, uh, as Russ is saying, is that our calling to Jesus, to be in union with him, is not to sit in the grandstands and watch the gospel uh, fighting the battles in the world, but we are to be in the front lines and uh, partaking, sharing in the battle against evil um, and in the own battle, the battles that we each fight in our call to holiness. And some of those battles come from outside and some from within. And Russ, you as you chose not just verse 24, which is the most obvious one that's, for so many people, is a difficult one, but you accompany it with the, the preceding verse 23, puts it in context. Paul says, provided that you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which has been preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, become a minister. You know, Russ, in the health and wealth gospel, their idea is that when you come to Christ, all of a sudden now everything's going to be cake. You know, if you have enough faith, there'll be no, there'll be no suffering. There'll be no, you're all going to be healed. You're going to be wealthy, and uh, and basically, therefore, you can stay away from the problems of the world. But he's saying no. Our calling is continuing in the faith. Is something we willfully choose, and we must continue, and we're strengthened to do that partially through the sufferings that we're empowered to handle through grace. Let's take a break, Russ. When we come back, we'll look. Let's jump right back into it again. I'd love to have your thoughts on on both Colossians, and then we'll move on to the uh, Second Corinthians passage. But first, let's take a break. Next time on EWTN Live. Despite common misconceptions, Pope Pius XII helped thousands of Jewish refugees during World War II. Join Father Mitch when he talks with Sister Margarita Marchioni about Pope Pius XII. That's on the next EWTN Live. EWTN Live with Father Mitch Pacwa is seen and heard around the world. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. Follow the compelling journey of one man who became a Church of Christ minister and found himself entering the Catholic Church. Bruce Sullivan shares his conversion story in his new book titled Christ in His Fullness. In this book, he communicates a passionate love for Christ and the inexhaustible treasures of grace found in the Catholic Church. Perhaps you, too, will discover the same riches in the fullness of Christ. 
to order a copy of this book for yourself or a friend, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or call us at 1-800-664-5110. All right, welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grody, joined today by Dr. Russ Rentler. And uh, Russ, we're talking about that Colossians passage. You want to f- continue with, with some of our thought on that before we move on to the Second Corinthians passage? Sure, yeah. The, you know, I think that um, something that I was not aware of and that I never saw was this idea of participation. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I recently heard Rosalind Moss, I mean, she might have said this a long time ago, um, Rosalind Moss, as you know, was a, a Jewish lady who converted to evangelical Christianity and then eventually uh, converted to Catholicism and actually now is starting an order, I believe. She's a sister now, that's right. Sister, yeah, just what a journey she's had. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she commented upon suffering, and what she said, you know, this idea of participating in, in the suffering of Christ, she said it's like, you know, a mom who bakes a cake with a three-year-old daughter. And the mother knows that she can make that cake without her daughter's help, but she allows that three-year-old daughter to participate in the making of that cake. Not that the cake couldn't be made without that, but I know that's a simplistic way of explaining it, but um, I know that you know, um, our late Holy Father John Paul II had, had done an entire um, teaching or letter oh, on, yeah. on suffering, the... Uh, Salvifici Dolores, I yes. think it's Great encyclical, right? Yeah, and it's it's just he he tackled this whole idea about how can we, how can Christ, how can Paul, how can Saint Paul, and also us add to this? And what he kind of said is that what what he, Jesus not only redeemed us by his suffering, but he redeemed suffering for us, and that. He made, gave meaning to suffering because he himself did it, and we're to emulate Christ. And therefore, like you were talking about before, we're not just in the grandstands. We don't say, well, Jesus suffered on the cross, so I, I don't have to. Mm. Well, no, that's not true, because most of the entire New Testament talks about suffering. Yep. And, it, you know, and it resonates with what, our, what, is, what is natural in our bodies and in our lives. You know, Jesus could have just said, poof, you're saved. There could have been no suffering, you know. He could have come down out of the clouds and just, you know, pointed to a cross and said, that's the symbol of salvation or whatever, poof, you're, you know, but no, he showed us. And so I think that St. Paul is saying to the people, to the Colossians, that in my body I'm bearing about suffering, and Jesus allows me the opportunity for this suffering to be used to the good of his body of Christ, which is other Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's you know, it just blew my mind because, you know, 10 years later, I'm thinking about this priest, Father Bernie, who, who <laughs> tried to help me through my wife's suffering and the very scripture. I never saw that. I mean, I went back and said, when was this in the Bible? I never saw that verse. <laughs> I know that. I know that experience. In fact, just for the audience, especially any of you who are out there who might be evangelical Christians the way I was uh, as a pastor, Verse 23 says two things along this line that I want to make sure you hear, because Paul says, provided that you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. The word for continue there is the same word that Jesus used in John 15 when he said, you are to abide in me and I in you. Abide or continue or remain, the same Greek word. Two things there, provided that you continue. If Paul wrote that, he is implying that it's possible to fall away. It's not a guarantee. It's something that by the act of our will, guided by grace, following hopefully a well-formed conscience, that we choose to remain, continue in the faith. But on top of that, it also implies, from your background, Russ, that if coming into Christ erases suffering and erases all these other problems— then why would there be any worry about falling away? Right. You know, it would Jesus would have greased the chutes and everything would have been easy. Right. But he never says that. He always says, you know, he who turns his back from the plow, right, right is not worthy to, to follow me. Right. Now, the Second Corinthians passage follows along the lane, the same line, excuse me, and it's interesting, he, he has these wonderful juxtapositions 
We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so death is at work in us but life in you. Now, Russ, was that verse in your health and wealth Bible? No, for some reason I think <laughs> I had the, uh, the, uh, the secret encoder glasses uh, <laughs> that I was wearing that didn't allow me to see that. But, yeah, I mean, what, I, what, what happened when it, and I don't mean to be facetious, but because we all, let's face it, we all read into the Bible when we pick it up. And, um, and I recently, uh, on your show, I heard... Um, um, blanking on his name, uh, he's very funny. Uh, the Episcopalian, who's pastor, who's now Catholic. Uh, what's his name? He 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 said that you know he took off his he took off his Protestant glasses, and then he and then somebody said, yeah, but now you're just reading the Bible with Catholic glasses, and then yeah, his answer said, yeah, but they're two thousand years old. <laughs> and, um, oh, I know it's uh, Cumby. Uh, oh yes, yeah, Michael Michael Cumby. Cumby. And, yep. But the thing is, what we're doing by looking at these verses now is when I read them, I read them, I came to the verse with the health and wealth kind of in my mind. So the way that I kind of looked at that, I thought, well, this was Paul talking about suffering for being a Christian. And this is Paul talking about suffering for the gospel's sake. He's suffering because, you know, that's what Paul was talking about here, and that this is all about persecution for the gospel. You know how he was thrown off the ship and uh, almost drowned, and it was you know shipwrecked twice, and and was you know beaten thirty nine lashes minus one. You know that whole. Mm-hmm. And and as a as an evangelical Christian who was particularly you know grabbing on to this health and wealth thing, I would say, well, you know that was meant that was kind of meant for Paul and preaching the gospel, but you know that whole idea about bearing about in our body. I mean. I, it just blows my mind. Always yeah. bearing about in our body the mortification of Jesus is one version, or the death of Jesus. And and now not so that we will end up just walking around being sad sacks, talking about death and thinking about death. No, it's so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. And I think that the thing that also is important here is that it talks a lot about our flesh. And for certain sects of Protestantism, the flesh is not very popular, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they don't value the flesh. And what I found, and what I've since seen by reading these verses and, and reading the verses with the Catholic glasses on, meaning with the two thousand years of the tradition of, of of the Church, you know, with sacred tradition, mm-hmm. is that God does value our life and our physical being here. He does value the flesh. He, as a matter of fact, for, our whole being. The, right. What, you know, Tertullian, one of the early uh, church, uh, I'm not sure if he's a church father, but one of the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the writers in the early church, he said that the flesh is the hinge of salvation. And, and that means a lot of things, but it means that basically without Jesus coming in the flesh, without God coming in the flesh, we wouldn't have salvation, but that our flesh, too, is important. So I think that, in other words, the, you know, God does value what we do in our flesh, and that our flesh is important. It's important. The suffering is important. It's something that we shouldn't... For instance, a Christian scientist, their way of overcoming and not taking medication, they say, well, because these, this body isn't real. It's not really... We're not really living here. It's almost like the Matrix movie. You know, they believe <laughs> that they're in, their real life is somewhere else, and that this physical life isn't really real. And I think the second century Gnostics kind of had yep. this view that... You know, everything that is ephemeral, invisible, and non-tangible is good, spiritual, and great, and godly. But everything that's physical, our flesh even, is, you know, is base, is unredeemed, is, is, is not, you know, is not valuable, is not good. And they make this large dichotomy between the flesh and the spirit. And like you said, it's the whole, our whole being, it's our, our, our soul, our 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 spirit, our bodies, and that, you know, Paul was telling us that we could do something, you know, we bear about his death in our bodies. And why is that so important? Because without his death, we wouldn't have resurrection. And mm-hmm. um, so that kind of just, 
you know, I know it's an unpopular doctrine to think. Like you said, did you ever read that verse? I don't know what we did with that yeah. verse. Yeah, and, you know, uh, let me take a different angle also, because you're a physician, and um, I'd love your, your take on it from a physician standpoint, because in our world today, maybe let's, let's just say America, because I'm not completely familiar with all the views of all the other cultures, but in America... It's amazing how much medicine and how many dollars and even insurance is all about avoiding suffering. Exactly. Everything, uh, the, the, the amount of time and money and careers and, and institutions and technologies are all about this life, this mortal flesh, um, and preserving it and I'm wondering, even within your circles, I, I could. Do you find that your work draws you to appreciate the infinite, the unknown, the Creator, or is there also the tendency in your environment to really focus more on a complete avoidance of suffering and seeing it as just something to get rid of? Yeah. Well, do you have another two hours? We can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another program. That sounds yeah, like. Uh, but you know, I think that this is something that that I've really come to realize, especially being a Catholic now, is that, like you said, our society has no, has, no, has no paradigm for suffering. And so everything in our society is to eliminate suffering, and because they don't have any value of suffering whatsoever. And I'm not saying that I should let patients die in agony. Right. I don't. Right. As a matter of fact, I see patients dying every day. I'm a medical director at two nursing homes. I take care of about 180 patients altogether. And so on a regular basis, I'm watching people pass into eternity. And the reality that I, that I know is that death is not pretty, and it's not beautiful, and it's not a, a scene from a movie with nice music and, you know, incense. It, it's very painful sometimes. But, you know, God has given us the medication to, to, to deal with that, to, to re- alleviate the suffering but not kill the sufferer. And, and that's the, the battle that I'm in is in... in in every in the state of Pennsylvania now, they're talking about um, trying to legislate uh, physician-assisted oh, suicide. Are they really? I didn't realize that was in Pennsylvania. Well, or? that's the thing, Mark. Is nobody yeah. knows. They've sort of slipped in this bill, the Senate bill. Uh, um, a senator from our, um, actually from our district, put it put it through along with another senator. And I debated him on television about it, and we talked. It was it was a very painful debate because yeah. he just was. It was just crazy, but yeah. but the bottom line is that we're, our society now is poised. We so don't want to see suffering that we're willing to kill the sufferer because we can't deal with it, and that just so so misses the point. And and again, you know, my goal as a physician is not to sit there and say, okay, I'm going to let you suffer. I'm going to dial down the morphine so you can, you know, offer up your sufferings. No, I don't do that. I mean, God gives us medication, so I will do what I can to relieve the pain. But you know what? There's no beautiful, quick fix mm-hmm. for this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this well, part of the suffering, I was going to say, that you may use the morphine for a person that's going through a, a, a difficult struggle, painful, uh, dying disease. Right. You alleviate the pain, but that doesn't mean that the suffering within their mind, within their goals, their view of themselves, right. what they want to do with their life, all their plans and everything, the suffering remains. Uh, sometimes people just love to be able to wipe all that thinking away with, you know, with a narcotic or a drug, so I don't have to worry about, okay, I'm going to die, let me die, you know. But, yeah. but actually, in some ways, taking the pain away allows them to focus on the meaning of life, the exactly. meaning of their life they had, so they can prepare themselves for the end. Right, that's a good, very good point. I mean, you We're, get them comfortable enough where they can use the, the short time they have left for you know whatever purposes that that, yeah. that God needs to, to do in their life, and you know, yeah. and you shortchange people when you give them the option of physician-assisted suicide. It, I know it's kind of off the subject, but you know, it, it's a it's a terrible it's a it's a, and right now with the healthcare crisis and the financial crisis, this is the worst time in the history of America to introduce a bill for physician-assisted suicide. Yeah, because you know yeah. patients will say, well, I'm just a burden on my family, I'm a financial burden. Oh, okay. I'll just agree to this. So, you know, as a as a Christian Catholic physician, I'm you know I have a blog about it, and 
I'm trying to get a little bit of ground, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ground support when this bill. I mean, the bill was turned down; it never got out of uh, committee. But the point is, it's only the beginning, you know. And they're mm-hmm. going to keep trying. That there's a huge lobby in America for, um, you know, euthanasia, and uh, you know, we're going the way of Europe here. So, without being too alarmist, uh, I think it's coming. And I, and you know, as a as a Catholic physician, I'm obligated to, you know, relieve pain and try to alleviate suffering but you know it's going to happen marcus and and that's mm-hmm. the thing about life is that as long as we can go back in history there has always been suffering and there's something in all of us even if we die suddenly there was there was still suffering in our life you know we all have children that um don't go the way we want them to we all have painful relationships we all you know what i'm saying if it's not physical there's there's always suffering and the beauty of of Catholicism and, and through these scriptures is that you know Christ wanted to identify with us so much so that he told us that your suffering is not in vain and that the suffering that you bear about in your body is is purposeful and that you know the other thing is is if Christ suffered who are we to not suffer if he's yeah. the one that we emulate yeah. who are we to not yeah he said imitate me yeah yeah and I'll tell you what let me read the Philippians passage and then let's we'll close on reflecting on that. It's a good passage that um, reminds us of all we're talking about. Philippians 3, Paul wrote, um, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuge in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own based on law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that if possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You know, Russ, in this passage, beneath everything Paul says, you can hear this necessary sense of humility I mean, you know, the la- and I, I underlined, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection, which is from the dead. I mean, this, like you said, this passage really does sum up the whole couple concepts that we're talking about. But, you know, the fellowship of his sufferings, you know, what did that mean to me before I was Catholic? I didn't understand. How, why, why would you want to have fellowship with suffering? Why would you want to share that? But again, when I started reading the rest of Scripture, I realized, the way that we are going to experience the resurrection is being is by conforming to his death. And and Paul says, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection, which is from the dead, meaning Paul was like you said, there was a humility. Paul didn't say, you know, I'm in. This is done. This is a done deal. He said, no, you know, that there is still the possibility that, you know, this isn't a guarantee for me. Now, I'm not saying this to bring up the idea of... Um, you know, once saved, always saved versus, but I, I do think that, you know, you know, there's an old song we used to sing in Vacation Bible School, and you might remember it. Um, one of the verses goes, if we don't, you know, if you don't bear the cross, you won't wear the crown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, if yeah. If you don't yeah. bear the cross, you won't, you know. Yeah. So, you know, even back then, that's a very, very non-Protestant concept. Mm-hmm. That's a very Catholic concept. If you, meaning, again, there's participation, there's cooperation. If we don't cooperate with Christ in this life, including uniting ourselves to Him with our suffering, um, you know, we don't necessarily going to bear the. I don't live in fear of that. You know, I don't. I live in obedience to Him as much right. with as much grace as He gives me to to live that out. Um, but I think that that. Verse again. The, the what really struck me was that idea of fellowshipping with his suffering, sharing yeah, in his yeah. suffering. Well, this particular passage, I just got a, an email from my son John Mark, who's watching the listening to the program, and he just said quickly, "Worse things than suffering, and it's losing one's soul." I mean, that's the key, and that's why all this stuff is it's about the. And one thing I think we forget when we read this Philippians three passage, at least some forget, and I think I used to forget, is that when Paul says. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuse in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not When he's saying that, we've got to remember something. Paul is a whole lot farther along in his spiritual journey than I am. 
It wasn't something that just because I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior someday when I walked down into a football stadium and now I'm saved forever, those instantaneous conversions that all of a sudden uh, everything's gone, new has come. You know, even when he talks in Second Corinthians about anyone who's in Christ is new creation and the old's gone, new has come. Being in Christ is a lifelong journey. Right. And it's, it's the, when he talks in this passage, it's something that we're continually growing in, dealing with suffering, letting go of things, particularly letting go of ourself uh, as the criteria for what's good. And if we think we've arrived, we know we haven't, <laughs> you know, because, you know, we're continually struggling with sin. We all are. Right. And if, and if Paul struggled, I think it's safe to say that we're going to struggle. Yeah, that's right. Hey, uh, Russ, we always run out of time too quickly on the show. Maybe we'll have you back again, maybe especially to talk about some of these uh, physician issues because, boy, I mean, with this whole medical health care plan that's, I think, messing up the world, but uh, we won't go there yet. But if people want to get in touch with you and your website, hear more about your music and things, where can they go? Uh, it's called uh, crossthetiber.com, which is uh, crossthetiber, T-I-B-E-R.com, or okay. if they just... Google my name, Russ Rantler. You'll probably find a site. The first couple will probably come up there. They could uh, check us out there. All right. Hey, Russ, I mean, God bless you and your work as a physician. It's, I think it's going to be tough for our young people today. You think it's going to be tougher than here called to be a physician? It's very hard. It's, it's, you know, for, to be a Christian and to be a physician are going to be very hard in the future. Are especially if we do, in fact, drive all the insurance companies out of business and we have to go to the government to take care of everything, they're going to tell you as a physician what you can and can't do, right? Right. All right. Well, let's pray for our physicians and our government and that uh, as voters can make sure we make the right decisions for the good of our children. All right, Russ, God bless. What's that website again? Crossthetiber.com. Okay. Thank Thanks. you very much. Oh, thank you. Thanks for... You're a part of the program today. I hope you listening, I hope this was an encouragement to you. There's not a one of us that doesn't have suffering in our life. I know that I do, and I don't always deal with it well. But these verses that Russ picked out for us today remind us that uh, we, we walk beside Jesus Christ, who gives us the grace and his spirit to, to handle those strugglings. We don't handle them alone. We're a part of the body. And together we offer these up for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ and one another. God bless. See you soon.